the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and this week my special guest was Mick Lavelle from Rittle University College. Coming up, we'll have expert tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden for the week ahead and details of some of Essex gardening events that you could attend. But first, some of the questions we answered in today's programme range from getting rid of mare's tail, controlling pests on fruit trees and moss on the lawn. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. But first we started by chatting with Yvonne in Eastwood. Hello. What would you like to know? Uh, uh, Robinias, red robins, yep. um, we have got them, they're covered in black spot, dropping all the time. I have sprayed them five days ago with rose clear, but they're absolutely dropping everywhere. I've never seen anything like it. Right, mm. well let's, let's, let's start at the beginning, because at this time of the year you've got all your new growth coming yeah. and that will cause the plant to get rid of a lot of its old leaves won't it Mick? Yeah I mean it's a fertinia leaf spot is what you've got which is the name of it and this does tend to um, affect through the season so it's normal for them to drop leaves and they'll drop the leaves this time of year, especially if they're not functioning properly which of course is the case when they haven't got any um, well they got a limited amount of um, green space That's on right. them because of the, of the damage to them with the leaf spot so the, the real trick of it is rake up all these old leaves you can't do anything about it. you won't get rid of these black spots the leaves are going to drop off rake them up don't yeah. compost them, burn them or bag them up to be sent off to, them, to the council. Council will, heat tre- will put them in heat treat yeah. compost, which will get rid of them. And um, just make sure you get rid of as many as you can of them. If you do spray with a fungicide, it will help. It won't rid the plant of it entirely. It's very difficult to get rid of, but it will help uh, stop as much of it next year. And just keep this process up year in, year out. Just uh, It's good hygiene. is is run about at least 50%, maybe more, of the, uh, the, the key to really overcoming fungal problems and in plants like that. One of the other problems with the spot is it's caused through uh, stress, isn't it? So, in fact, if they dry out or they get too much water, they'd react in the same way, Yeah, they, they? they do tend to like uh, a little bit of uh, moisture. And so some, when, you've, when you've raked all these leaves away, mulch around the base of them and um, you know, make sure you got rid of all the old leaves mulch around the base pick any other spotted leaves that fall off there uh, through the season and uh, make sure they get plenty of uh, moisture so feed them water them try and keep them in good health okay Yvonne oh um what what is best to feed them with just a general purpose fertiliser this time of the year. Shrubs don't tend to need a lot of things like liquid feed through the year. So if you give them something like, it could be anything, any of the sort of compound fertiliser, grow more fish, blood and bone, something like that, put it down before you put your mulch on there and just put a nice um, organic rich mulch on there and you should be fine for the rest of the year. And now we go over to Alan in Hoddeston. Hello, Alan. Hello, Ken. You're sounding a bit better this week. You're yeah, a bit better this week, yeah. What are, what are we looking at with yourself? Oh, right. Well, um, I've dug my composting out from last year. Lovely. And I've got a lot of big, like, uh, maggots in the bottom. They're about half an inch thick and about an inch and a bit long. Nearly as thick as my finger, my small finger. What should I do with them? What colour are they? They're white and a little bit black at the end where the head would be. It's a beetle of it. Are they sort of comma shape? Slightly um, curled? N- uh, 
but they they are when they're, they're rolled up in a little ball. But yeah, so they, they, they sound like a beetle, beetle larva. Yeah, they're, they're not they're not to vine weevil. They're too small. No, they're too big. Too big. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, the yeah, vine yeah. weevil yeah. is smaller, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, the I mean the fact of the matter is, you compost. Um, it's um, when you say you're digging it out, the best thing to do would be to put leave a little bit of the old compost in for those um, larvae, and um, just to put some um, some new compost on the top of it. it. Always helps to leave a little bit of composting anyway. The, the, what you've got to remember is that if you're cold composting, which you must have been, or else there wouldn't have been these beetles in there, you're actually dependent upon the living organisms, all the little beetles and things like that which are in there, the beetle larvae, etc., to break it down. It's not just the worms that do this job for you. So you really always want to inoculate your compost with um, with, with something which has got those in, and indeed all the bacteria, etc., to start the process off again. So it's probably not a... Don't worry about them particularly. Shouldn't do any harm, yeah, should they? They're not, they don't sound... The, the, the one thing... If we've got, have we got a really sort of uh, big head on them with noticeable antennae on them? No, no, they no, do. Because no. they're not chafers then. They're no, probably that's the not, only other one that I would have... Th- yeah. No, a chafer bug has also got brown, hasn't it? It's yeah, got they're, a they're, very heavy brown head, Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah. So, so, I mean, they, they don't sound like any of the sort of usual candidates for, for, for garden damage. And so they've actually been... They're, they're what's made your compost for you. So in a way, it's, it's a bit like um, sacking them and executing them at the same time if you're not careful. So yeah. don't, don't get concerned for anyone who's listening. When you've got things in your compost, people sometimes say, how do I kill all these bugs in my compost? And you say, well... Don't. You, you, you don't, or else you're going to stop composting. They're all part of the important um, process which you're, you're undertaking with uh, composting. So don't worry about them too much. Uh, like I say, leave them in your compost bin because that's where they obviously want to be. Okay. Yeah. There's another point about compost. Um, I've oh. got two sources of getting horse droppings. One is uh, just solids only, and one is with wood chip. Would the wood chip be detrimental to putting? No, actually, well, the, the wood chip itself, um, it's what it's what's classed as a brown because it's got lots of carbon in there. Whereas um, horse manure, aside from all the obvious jokes aside, is classed as a green because it's rich right. in um, in nitrogen. So mixing the two of them together it's will help it good. compost. Yeah, you get a very um, sort of a, a compost with with bits of wood in it. Wood won't break down very quickly. Um, but it depends really what you want to do with the compost. But it's not a not a bad thing at all. I mean, it, wood chips is better in a sense than if you've got straw bedding, because straw bedding's often got a lot of weed in, and horse manure has often got weed in anyway. So if you can get anything which will um, will help to warm it up while it's composting, that will actually that help will to help. kill off some of the weed seeds. Good luck, Alan. Let us know how you get on with your compost in the future. And we go to Joan in Hutton. Don't forget that number to call is 0300 200 4041. Joan. Uh, you're Good talking morning, about Austramerias. They are gorgeous. What's, I know. But what's your I problem? In last year, <clears throat> yeah. Today, there's about a hundred or more out there. What do I do with them? Well, I mean, are they spreading too far in the ground? They're spreading right the way. I've only got a small garden, and they're spreading yeah. right the way along. Right. Well, you dig out the ones you don't want. Right. Right. It's as simple That's as that. You just I mean, do, if... dig them out. You can't. Put them anywhere else, can you? Yeah. You can, yeah. Oh, yes. If you dig out a clump of them, they run through the ground, so they've got little runners. So, oh. in a sense, what you're doing is you're almost taking cuttings off them as you take them on. They don't. They're not like a lot of herbaceous plants where you would lift them, tease the crown apart, yeah. and put them back in the ground. What will happen is you'll get lots and lots of little runners under the ground with little wispy roots off them. Because they're they're coming they, off they, them, they, yeah, they? they root what's called adventitiously off the stem. So what you do is you take some of these out of the ground, put them into yeah. a pot with some reasonable compost, ordinary cop- potting compost will do, grow them on for a, a, a matter of probably a few weeks, it will be yeah. realistically, so it's a, a month or two, and you'll get a nice sizable uh, plant which you can then plant out safely because it'll have rooted in well. Right. right so so just get you. a bit of bit of TLC yeah. for them. And then all the bits that you don't 
one. If you haven't got a neighbour that wants them, just compost them. Yep, that's the way to go. Okay. Right. Thank- Enjoy them, though. Aunt tr- Ken, yep. I spoke to you a few weeks ago about I put some lilies in a pot indoors. Oh, yes. And they come through, so you told me to put them cooler. I've had them downstairs out the back of the garage, and they've all come through, and uh-huh. they're in pots. What do I do? Put the pot it's into early, the garden it? now. It's a bit too early yeah, just, for Lily, really. Isn't I would it? just yeah, because he's still going to get some frost and things. If they've yeah. been in a frost-free environment, they're still vulnerable. Yes. Just keep and just also, keep growing the them on. The lilies that are coming in and up in the garden. I've put some fine sand around them to stop any crawly, creepy crawlies. That's going a good on idea. Them. Or grit, or yeah. grit. That's it, a good it'll, idea. It'll stop yeah. a lot of the, uh, things like slugs and things. Like that. It won't stop lily beetle. You'll have to keep your eye out for that. That's oh, a yes. bane of okay. lily growers, unfortunately. So it's too early to put them out yet. If yes, because you said you'd kept them indoors originally, they're soft, and that's mm. the problem. Right. So you've can got I to... harden them off a bit outside in the oh, cold yes. frame? Oh yes, yes. Yeah, you can. Only in a yeah. cold frame. If you've got a cold frame, yes, yeah. it's ideal. Right. Okay, but watch, because they're forecasting some cold nights coming up this week. Yeah. This week. End yeah. of the end of the month, I think. Earliest spread of the cold frame. Okay. Right. Okay, then. Let us know how your lilies get on. And we are going now to Maureen in Earl's Cone. You've got a laurel bush you're worried about, Maureen? Uh, Good morning, um, Ken and Mick. Yes, I've got uh, 10 metres of laurel, uh, (laughs) ranging from a metre to three metres high. And um, it actually acts as my fence line. (laughs) And now it's been eaten alive, um, I've just discovered. Um, Part of it... One, one shrub has actually gone brown about a metre up, uh, and that feels as if it's dead. Um, the leaf, uh, all the leaves have been chewed around the edge, and there are some perfect holes in the centre. Now, you say it's a laurel. Is it, is it the sort of the classic bay laurel? The big leaf uh, one? Or, or is it one with a big leaf, almost like an oblong-shaped leaf? Really oblong big, glossy leaf. leaf yeah, uh, so, so it's a cherry, cherry laurel. Now, yeah, what, you, what you probably have, you say it's been eaten, it's, um, it, I mean, it has been eaten, it's probably had mildew on there, but get, they, they get mildew. Because some... it's got a holes in the middle, it yeah. is not vine weaver or anything like no, that, No, no, that, that, that shot blasted look in the middle of the leaves is classic of uh, mildew. Right. Okay, so I mean, um, this is something which is a problem some years and not others, and it's usually a problem where we get wet and dry cycles during the, uh, during the growing season. There right. isn't much you can do about, you can't, you know, re- reform those uh, leaves again, and of course, if you, if you have got a dead one, I doubt it's the mildew which killed a dead one. I mean, it just see oh. see if it comes back. And the thing to do is, if you've got a dead laurel anywhere, or a laurel which has been badly damaged, they do take stooling down to the ground and will shoot from the base if the roots are If it's are still healthy. alive yeah. down the bottom. Uh, and yeah. so, okay. my suggestion would be not to worry too much about what it looks like now. Is to you can um, uh, just. See what happens this next year. We have give a, it a good feed now. Yeah, yes, indeed. Look after it as you normally would. But we have one at the, uh, the university college where we, we got a hedge of it, and um, it sometimes just looks like it's been someone's been out with a shotgun uh, through the summer, blasting through it because it can be quite uh, damaging, particularly where you grow them close together and tight as you would with a hedge. Yes, yes, they are to form to form like a, a, yeah. a, a fence. Yeah. Um, but they've also been chewed all around the edge. If they've been chewed at the edge, what you have but to look at middle, is, is, is yeah, but the middle is is definitely um, is mildew has done this. Right. If you look around the edge, uh, you've um, you, you've if they are sort of irregular notchings around the side, it could be vine weevil. Well, yeah, I've I've given it one lot of treatment for for, 
wine, vine weevil uh, in panic. Mm. Um, it, the, the part that's gone dead is very near an ash tree that um, I believe has got ash dieback. It isn't no, my tree. No, it's not but, it's, but it's not transferable. It only affects right, okay, yeah. okay. That's I'll tell you what I would do. I'd do what Mick said. Give it a blooming good feed, something, a good general fertiliser. Um, look after it this year, possibly cut the dead out of that dead laurel, see if it's alive down below, mm. and watch and give us a call later yeah. on this Make year sure to see it's how it's going. As well. it likes see it's it well a, watered. Yeah. Well right? watered. And what, what general fertiliser? When you say that, I don't really anyway, know what anyway, you mean. Fish, blood and bone, grow, grow more, more, anything. Right, okay, Just a general purpose. On you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. It is BBC Essex and this is The Gardening Hour with me, Ken Crowther and Mick Lavelle here in the studio. And we go straight back to the phones to talk to uh, Dave from Tiptree. Is that right? You're the chair of Tiptree Gardening Club. Indeed I am, Ken. Right. <laughs> on, that, on that note, can I just, on a personal note, just say thank you for... You were due to talk to us um, a oh, little while ago. You couldn't make it for personal reasons and you arranged for Tom Cole to stand in. He's a good lad, isn't he? He's a good lad. Yeah. Um, last week we had a talk on the humble spud. Yes. And a lot of us went along hoping to learn how to grow potatoes, but it was a talk on the Solanaceae family, which was very interesting. It was very good. But it's prompted me to buy some potatoes. Good man. I've got some first earlies, second earlies, and some main crop. Right. I'll be growing them in containers. Um, some of the containers are 18 inches wide by about 16 inches deep. Um, so how many would I put in a container like that? How many potatoes? Not more than one, because yeah, they're too small. Yeah, yeah. You say one? Yeah, just one. Yeah, they, they, they won't produce... If you put three potatoes in, they'll be competing with each other. They won't be enough right. space. So you'll get a lot of knobbly little potatoes gotcha. and a fair bit of root. What you really need is... Um, is pl- potatoes need loads and loads of space to grow. And so... Um, um, are you, we talking width or depth? Both. Both, really, both. yeah, but especially width. So you'd if be, I was growing them in an old multi-purpose compost bag, it'd be, be the same, would it? One you'd be better in a compost bag than you yeah. would in the size that you're talking yep. about. If you're going right. to grow them in a, something like a compost bag, make plenty of holes in the side as well, because the roots yep. need to be healthy so that into, right. to get right down into it. And the trick in, in a compost bag is you don't put them into a, a bag full of compost. You put them into a bag which is about maybe up to about a third full of compost, right. put your potato in and cover it, and as it starts to, um, to, to, uh, to grow, roll the sides up gradually and put more and more uh, organic matter in there. So that you actually, you'll see when it's ready to go off, it'll start to wither at the top you know, yep. and, uh, and you'll be able to harvest them. You'll actually get it producing successive layers of potatoes in the compost, which is the, what you want them to do. Lovely. And what about feeding? Do I feed them anything? Uh, if you're using a good compost, they won't need a lot. If you use, yeah, no. if you if you just mulch them with organic matter, you can always yeah. give them a little bit of extra fertilizer. But I mean, the, really, it's just a general purpose if you're going to feed them they, with anything, and a liquid feed as well in compost. Yeah, maxi yeah. crops quite a good one. It's yeah. a seaweed based. It'll go through the foliage, which is quite useful as mm. well. Uh, but they will sell. You can buy potato compost, but quite honestly, yep. a general fertilizer do just as well. I would say so. Lovely. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, just finally, I know our publicity officers already been in touch with you uh just can you let people know that it's our spring show in two weeks time at thirstable school yep lovely thank you very much thank indeed you. thank you bye-bye he's a cunning devil isn't he <laughs> hey, get that one in. Um, let's go to lynn in brentwood hello lynn oh good morning you're growing delphiniums i am i'm growing <clears> them <throat> some seed um they're doing pretty well they're in my greenhouse at the moment 
Um, I've done it in previous years, but when I've planted them out, they've sort of been a bit weedy, you know, sort of one flower on each. I didn't know how I to can bush them up sort of thing. Do I have to pinch them out or...? What you can do. They're, they're going to be small in the first year. I mean, what you've got to remember is when you grow a plant from seed, I mean, they'll uh, often seed suppliers, and I'm not berating seed suppliers, I use a lot of seed myself, but they'll say, we'll flower in the first year. And so we, you envisage that sort of thing where you've got multiple stems covering huge amounts of flowers. Yeah. Oh, Whereas it'll make it to flower in the first year because the plant's uh, sort of desperate to, to make sure that it. It reproduces in some cases, and some varieties will, some won't. Uh, and what you're really best off doing is um, to uh, to plant them out and cut that flower off in the first year. Let it put some uh, energy into its uh, growth. So don't worry about the flower this year. You oh, can even right. if you if you pot them on, you can even keep them in pots if you're able to keep watering them through the summer. And you can really tend them, and you can um, you can as it comes to anywhere near a flower, but nip that out and really encourage it to to grow and plant them out in the autumn which oh, is another okay. strategy for, to, for doing this. So you'll get a stronger plant next year. I mean, right. either one will work, you know. It depends really how much time you've got to water. Okay, they're in my greenhouse at the moment. Should I put yeah, them outside? Not just yet, no. no. Uh, because they've been yet. grown soft in the greenhouse, you need to think about all, all plants which have been given really nice conditions this time of the year. If you put them outside, it's going to be too much for them. We're going to suffer a cold check, and that's the last thing you want with a seedling plant. You actually want that plant to keep on growing steadily. So you need to move it out into something like a frame or outside in a sheltered spot. Or so, take it out but, in the day and put it back in at night, yeah, even is better. Yeah, so fleece over it towards it. Yeah. And you need to do that really around about first or second week in April start to get to get them outside but get start to get taller and like I say put some fleece over them or in a frame or something like that if you've got that and then you should get them hardened off really <clears> by around about the first or second week in May which which time you can plant them out make sure you give them generous amounts of water mulch around the uh, near the base but not right up to the base of them in the first year you should be fine alright okay, right. that's lovely thank you just no another little query uh-huh. about um, outdoor cyclamens yep I've got them under a tree um, mm-hmm. with hellebores and I've got lots and lots of leaves but no flowers yeah. I don't yeah, know people who won't do this time of the year they normally uh, the flowering would finish they'd come into leaves this leaf oh yes this time I haven't year. had any flowers oh you've all. had no flower earlier on no what no. trees have you got them under are they um, they're not it's evergreens un- it's under a uh, silver birch no there's no leaves no, should, well um, I don't know what, what, was it just the normal um, ne- Neapolitanum type you got under there is it the, the heter- heterifolium it's called now I don't know, just tiny little pink ones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, well, I, I, it's difficult to say. They've, it's not been a bad year for them this year. Cause the no, ones I've that seen they, them uh, looking quite good. The ones at the University College flowered quite well. This autumn, I think the so. most important thing, you've got lots of leaf, which means you haven't yeah. lost them. Yeah. yeah. I just me, might be having a rest. Oh, okay. <laughs> Does sometimes happen, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, you get good years and bad years for them. They're, they're I'm one of these, surprised. They they're not a front-of-the-border plant. No. Because they're not reliable enough. <clears throat> no, so, no, yeah. they're well under... They're quite... In a, a shady bed under the tree with sort yeah. of lots make of sure there's boards. nothing competing with them too much. You, you, they, they like a bit of mulch, but not too deep. They don't want to have a whole lot of canopy. You see hellebores around them. The hellebore leaves may be hiding stuff. They may even have um, flowered a little and you've not noticed it. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, okay. Right. Okay. All right. That's lovely. Thank you very much. And you can always ring us back next year, Lynn, and let us know whether they have flowered next year because <laughs> that's important. <laughs> Jean in Chelmsford. Hello, Jean. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. What you got for us? I've got a problem of moss in my lawn. So have a lot of people, I think. Mm. Help, what can I do? Well, well you know, I tell you what, I, mm. I actually went to give a talk recently and uh, someone asked that same question. And do you know what my answer is? Don't no. bother. Don't bother. 
I actually think that you get rid of moss, it will return. Well, quite, yeah. I was going to say, any, You're anything so you do... You're so lucky if you can clear your lawn of moss. If you're going to clear your lawn of moss, you have to change everything you're doing about your lawn. Because moss grows either because it's... Um, sometimes because it's a bit too dry and the summer on the grass dies back exactly. you've got dead material sometimes, or the other way around or it's too wet yep or it's very acidic or very alkaline so it's extremes of ph so in all cases you have to identify what the problem is so it's not that straightforward to identify unless you really know what you land so if you know your lawn's very wet through the summer you'll know that's the problem you know uh, and then you've got to deal with that so you've got to put drainage in if it's too wet you've got to irrigate it sufficiently in the summer if it's you've too got to dry aerate it you got to, when you take it off you've got to uh, to top dress it and all this other I'm glad so you're saying this <laughs> it's an awful lot of effort now if you were say for instance the groundsman at, let's just say you know uh, South End United Football Club or Colchester United Football Club or Braintree Town you'd or something, worry yeah it would be a major concern for you but on the lawn I mean the main thing is just um, uh, try and make sure you rakes a little bit of it out uh, in the early part of the year just simply so you don't when you walk across it you don't leave great big dinted footprints in there but you're not really going to want to get you rid of it clear it completely in all honesty yeah. and don't put moss no, killer down on it to some extent because mm. sort of last last couple of years for health reasons i haven't been able to do anything and the moss has mm. spread and spread whereas before i yeah. tried to treat it what what could i put down and when can i put right it down? you can start that now with a moss mm. killer can't you because yeah. that will you you can use a liquid or you can mm. use a granular I would not use one that says it kills feeds, moss and weed. Mm. I'd be upsetting a lot of people there, but I still think you're better off to concentrate on moss with a yeah. moss killer. And if you start with it now, you must kill it before you remove it. And you'll, as Mick says, you'll never remove everything. Yeah. But you might be able to improve it. Is that what you're saying, Jean? Yes, that, that's what I want to do. Start now, can't you, really? Mm. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's spreading and spreading, and sort of yeah. I've got areas where, where I think if I can get it out, I might have to reseed it, but because uh, it hasn't right. been attended mm. to for a couple of years. Yeah, there's some liquids on the market and some granules, and that's what I would use. Start about now. See that it's completely dead before you rake it out. Then you do your reseeding, and then give your lawn a good fertilize, fertilize mm. in the summer. Uh, during the summer period to make it all green again yeah. and that will feed the moss as well yeah. so the best thing is, is it so would lawn sand do this time of year or is that feeding yeah, it? yeah no, 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 that lawn, lawn sand is just, it's just a, it's a sand which got iron sulfide which uh iron sulfate in it rather which actually um it has a slight greening effect on the grass because of the iron, but it also kills off the moss. Um, the, the other thing to say is you ought to um, think about um, aerating. It's going to spike even higher in one end just to make sure that you get some air into the uh, thing. Mm -hmm. That will help with the, uh, the moss problem as well. All right. Yeah. Can I just ask an extra one? I've given the lawn the first cut. How long do I wait for the second? Because it's still very long. You just keep cutting, but don't cut too low. Yeah, take about a third off each time until you get to the height you want to keep it at and then cut it that height through the year. All right? Yes. <laughs> sorted, Gene. <laughs> sorted, Gene. We have sorted, Gene. Let's go to Terry uh, over, the, over the road in Sidcup. Hello, Terry. Hello. Good morning, Ken. What can we do for you, sir? Uh... For the last four years, I've been spraying my plum tree yep. with a winter tree wash to stop the red maggots. Yeah. Yeah, but before that, I never sprayed it, and I was getting a maggot in every single plum. Okay. But I also spray all my, my, uh, my, my pear trees, my apple trees, my cherry trees. Is right. it a waste of time spraying all them? 
Um, the, the one that is now used is just a cleaning agent. It is not, it's not like the coal tar stuff mm. that we used to use because that's been banned. It yeah. will kill some pests mm. that are hidden in the crevices of the tree. So it will help. But if you've got maggots in your plums, you need a pheromone trap mm. because it's the moth. The moth yeah. that is laying its eggs in the, in the bottoms of the flowers. So you need a pheromone trap. But, but since I've been spraying with this winter tar tree wash, I've not had one maggot in me. Bro. Oh, well, you're doing it right then. So don't worry. Sorry, I thought you yeah. still had the problem. No, I've still got a problem. But what right. I, said, I spray all my other trees. <clears> and uh, for saving time in the garden... No, you're all no, it isn't. Well? No, it isn't because you are you are controlling any hidden bugs in the bark. Yeah. in all of those trees. Is this what you might describe as a wise precaution? It's a wise precaution. Mm. You can't tell what you're preventing. No, no, no. Does that oh, help you, Terry? All right, thank you very much. That's all right. And don't forget the other thing that's worth putting on as well, of course, is a um, is a grease band. That also helps, doesn't mm. it? So it's worth doing a grease band as well. Let's go to Christine in Silver End. Hello, Christine. Oh, hi. Um, we have a, a lot of daffodils where I live. It's a um, communal uh, garden. Oh, lovely, yeah. <clears throat> um, but this year we've got quite a few that are blind. Yep. Um one of the people who helped said, oh, well, we'll pull all them out. And I no. said, well, I will ask no. whether they will... Are they beyond help? No, they're not no, beyond I, help. But we need to ask a question to sort of uh, to get to the bottom of it. Are they growing under trees? No, they're, they're in pots. They're in pots. Oh, they're right. in big pots. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the reason, main reason why bulbs come up blind is usually to do with temperature in the summer. And so we need to get to around about um, 15 to, to 20 degrees mm. for in... in um, sort of July-August time, for about two to three weeks. Um, and they need to be around about... So, so they're like a dry spot which really warms up. Uh, the one exception to that is the native daffodil, which, of course, uh, can, uh, can do us a lot cooler. So a lot of them uh, need, need that warm period. Have you got a grass area that you could put these into? Uh, no, we've got a lot in beds, um, but it's the one, they're all right. The ones yeah. that are in beds... No, but what I'm thinking is, fine, because these are... the ones in pots, and we, yeah. we leave them in pots, and we put them in a, a, a yeah. sort of you a, need, you a, need, If they're in pots, you'll need, to, you'll need to replace them if you want flowers next but year. But don't throw the, them away. Yeah, plant them in the beds. They'll be great for naturalising. Hmm. Yeah? All Okay, so take all the blind ones out and plant them. Well, like, no, I would, I would take, take them, them all out yeah. and re and re, re replenish the compost. That's the best way to do it. Then you'll have uh, four or five years of uh, the bulbs again. Right. Well, they can go. I can put some in the ground, not in our beds, but we've got a sort of a tree area. Yes, that's great. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. This, do we need to put new compost in every year? In the pot. No, I mean, you, but if you're using something like a John Ennis compost, which is more expensive, it will last longer. It will hold on to mm -hmm. nutrient better. The problem is a lot of these composts get too wet. It's probably just a wetness problem in the compost, I would say, because, like I say, it's not reaching this temperature in the soil. So you just need to replace it. If you're using a multi-purpose compost, about every three to four years. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. Mick Clavel, Ken Crowther, talking gardening all the way through till 12, 0300 200 4041 is that number to call. I must forget to remark about Lynn in Epping, talking about John Innes, because that remarks, uh, it was mm. interesting that you mentioned just now, but we don't want to keep Ray waiting, so hello Ray. Hi. What would you like to talk about Ray? 
Yeah, I've got a bay, I'm not sure whether you call it a tree or a bush. It's 1.5 high by 660 meet, um, centimetres in diameter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I pruned it around a bit last year and it's now quite dry. The leaves are quite dry and crumbly, um, shriveling up a bit. But it's got about, I'd say, six, seven stems coming out of the ground. And I was thinking of moving it because it's in the way where it is now with my bit of right. developing I'm doing. How old is it? What the chances are. How old is it? I don't know. It, I've been here two years and it was here when I got here. Sounds so quite old if it's that big, yeah. doesn't it? I would say it's quite old. That some of the stems into the ground are about 50, 60 meet, uh, centimetre. Yeah, you're going to have a real bother moving that, because although what you've got at the moment isn't a particularly large top growth, it sounds like it's come from a plant which sometimes has been a lot bigger, and it's certainly got a lot of root in it. They're not easy to move, like I said. The root system's quite extensive on them. Some shrubs have nice little compact root balls, like rhododendrons, you can move them when they're 80 years old, and you can still get them. Yeah. It's a bit you of a task, but, but you won't with that. My advice <clears> would be, unless you feel particularly uh, adept at propagating, because you can propagate them around about June from semi-ripe cuttings, if you're All not... All those shoots mm, might even have roots on them. If you can find something like that, yeah, where you can propagate <clears> them on. But if you if you just really want the simplest solution, Out, they're not that one. they're not that expensive to buy a new one because they're not particularly exotic, you know, and they are stone hardy outside of the UK. So we've we've grown them for a long time. So take yourself along to a decent nursery or uh, garden centre and uh, buy a new one, buy a nice well grown one in a pot, and then get to work on the on removing that so you can get on with your development. All right, yeah, right. Away from where a patio's yep. going, yeah. so it's not well. Sometimes plants have just had the day, they've got to give, yeah. got to go sometimes, haven't they? Let's go to John in Brentwood. Hello, John. Morning, all morning. You've just been talking about pheromone traps, yes, I have. Uh, I've been using one four or five years now, or two in the tree, yep, plus uh, fruit tree grease, the grease band thing, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not a band, it's I know what you mean, yeah, paint it on, it's horrible stuff. Um, and it hasn't made any effect. Most I throw the apple. The the tree is prolific with its fruit, and I would think you throw ninety percent away because they're full of worms. Right. Um, we're talking. Are you talking plum here? No, we're talking apple. You're talking apple. Yeah. Uh, what's he doing wrong? Nothing. Doesn't sound like it. I mean, the only thing is whether you're putting the uh, traps the out early enough. Uh, How big's the go, tree? They go in at uh, blossom drop. Yeah, put mm. them in at blossom time. I put them in just when they're blossoming, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, then you're covered. Um, you're renewing the pheromone each year, yes? Or you're yeah, buying new yeah. traps. How yeah. big is the tree? Uh, tree mm, is it is it an old, feet. big tree? Yeah, it's about 70 to 100 year old. You might need several traps. Mm. I've got you, two in, though. I've got two. I would have thought that was adequate. And then a good grease round the round the stem would work, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. It's difficult to know what... You've done all the right things. It's difficult to know what you've what, what hasn't worked about it. I mean, the thing about the pheromone trap is it wasn't designed as a cure. Yeah. It was designed to work in glass houses, wasn't it, actually, in places like well, that? Well, they were, they were as designed a, as indicators, as really. As an yeah, indicator. Yeah. So it isn't actually yeah. the answer. It's the only answer that we've got. Mm. That's the problem. We, did, we didn't used to have trouble. No, I, I haven't done this one, but when we had a load of fruit trees and you went to wash them with a tar wash... I agree. Yeah. 
They yep. sorted absolutely everything off the tree. Those days have gone, and we have yeah, to move on, sadly. Can yep. I just get an ad in, do you think? What are you trying to talk no, about? I'm not trying to sell anything. Anybody with a tortoise hidden away in the sheds or anything, yeah. they need to be looking at them because they're up and awake, and they need a couple of baths when they wake up. That's a nice reminder, and mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And can you, John, have a yeah. try three? I know they're not; they're a little bit of money, but try three traps this year. Yeah, put, okay. put them on as the blossom just starts to come. Yeah. And let us know how you get on when you're okay. eating the plums. Yeah, I put them at the apples. Sorry. As well. Yep. No, yeah. you're doing it all right. You're doing mm-hmm. everything right. All, all right. right. Thank you. Let all us right. know how you get on, and we go to. Linda in Hadley. Hello, Linda. Hello. Um, hello, Ken. Hi. Um, I've got a, I've got two questions actually. One is about a Chilean jasmine, Sandeville. Not Mandeville. That could be yes. Mandeville with yeah. a biggish yeah. leaf and a a cut around. Uh, no, a tubular flower. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, can I cut it back and buy how much and when? Where have you got it? At the moment, it's oh, it's just lovely. It's in the it's in the uh, the spare bedroom. Lovely. Mm. I was just checking it wasn't yeah. outside at this yeah. time of year. Um, no. When would you cut it back? I suppose. Well, I mean, usually uh, um, straight after flowering uh, or after the main flush of flowering, and uh, oh. it's, you don't really what you're aiming to do with it is just to try and contain it within an area. It's not something which has to be cut back to make it flower. But the problem with it will get because the climate will get bigger and bigger. Uh, and so what you'd normally do is just to, to trim back any uh, shoots which are out of place and just shorten them. That's all them you back. do? Yeah. Uh, autumn rather than spring? No, you can do it. You, do it, do you it. could do it. Uh, after a shoot's finished flower, I mean, before it grows on and on, you know, you can actually just cut it back and trim it. I mean, you can do it any time, really, when the plant's growing actively. Yeah, all right. So throughout the summer. This has got really long tendrils on yeah, it. Cut yeah, cut those tendrils yeah. back. Yeah. Cheers, you, you just tell it where, it where you want it to grow or else it'll tell you where it wants yeah, to grow. I've got around uh, the corkscrew... Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You, you, you just just cut it back as you need to. What was your other question, uh, Linda? Um, I've got uh, well, I've ordered an um, amalanka. Amalanka. Yeah. Uh, would I, I've got two places. Would it prefer sun or part shade? Uh, they're okay in both. Probably better off in a bit of sun. Really, um, a, a nice um, sunny spot really will help it to, uh, to to grow better, and you'll get better autumn colour on it then as well. Which one of the real features of amalanka yeah. is, is the autumn colour? Oh, Robin Hill. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't, no, I don't, it's good yeah, variety. For, yes, for all of them, it's one. the same. Yeah. But make sure you get it somewhere where the, the autumn sun will develop that lovely uh, amber and red uh, colour in the autumn. Right. Front garden then. OK, thank okay. you very much for your help. Not a problem. That's Linda in Hadley, and we go to Carol in Clacton. Is it sunny Hello, in Clacton? Sunny Clacton? Yes, it is. It's really nice at the moment. Good. Not too, not too sunny, not much blue sky, but there, there is sunshine about. Good, good, good. What you got for us? Um, I, I'm asking on behalf of my son, he has this awful plant, or it's not a plant, it's like a weed it grows. Um, it's dark green and frondy, and he's dug it out, he's cut it back, he's done everything, he's put a membrane down, and the damn thing stick keeps coming back. I don't know whether it's, is it mare's tail? Mare's yeah, it sounds tail, like yeah. I was going to say yeah. that, yeah. Mare's tail. Um, please, please, <clears throat> can you tell us how the dickens to get rid of it? 
uh, it's not easy. The, the problem with Mare's Tale is that the, 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 the commonest one, which is the Equisita Marvensi, it, it can actually grow uh, up to uh, 100 feet from a rhizome. So it can be actually Under growing in from, from next door or from adjoining land, something like that. And, um, the, the, it's also very, very um, waxy and rich in silica. So we try and spray the thing; uh, it yeah. doesn't go into it. I mean, what we've done yeah. in the past on places, I've actually t- 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 taken a roller over it, just a, a light roller, rolled crush it, to, it a bit. to crush it a bit, and then sprayed in the hope that we can do glyphosate. something about it. Yes. Oh, gl- right. So dam- damage it thoroughly first, and then slightly. Spray. Don't, slightly, don't mash much. it because it, you need to be <clears> still growing. You need to. What you're trying to do is damage it so that the glyphosate can get in there. You can okay. also use what's called an, an approved adjuvant, which is. Uh, a, a mixture. Uh, I mean, sometimes yeah, some, I shouldn't say this, but I've heard that people sorry, put washing up. So, some people do use washing up liquid, yeah, because that, that does the At same the thing. But, but, that but in of course, with it. we couldn't possibly no. uh, condone that as professional horticulturists. <laughs> uh, but it, but it basically, it's a wetting agent, so it's something like a detergent, such as a washing up liquid. So you can uh, put that with your glyphosate, uh, but digging will not work because you'll keep breaking your stem underneath. Yeah. I'm afraid weed killer is the only way that yeah. you're ever going to get rid of it. And you have to keep on, keep on, keep on. It could take you a couple of years. Yeah. Okay, fine. If it's coming through from my neighbours, we're going to talk to his neighbours as well so he can have a, uh, a, a, a joint effort there. on it, yeah. And we go to... We'll slip in Ian in Acton uh, just before the the travel. So, Ian, what have we got from yourself? Yes, I I have a, a large, um, mature privet hedge. It's Lovely, about eight yeah, foot yeah. High mm-hmm. and um, about five feet deep. Uh, it also runs um, along the line of a pavement, so it's encroaching upon the pavement quite uh-huh. badly. Um, I'd like to reduce it quite severely, um, mm. not only in height, but in, in depth as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just really, is this a good time of year to yeah, do it? Yeah, it's probably about Excellent. the best time of year to do it before <clears throat> it really starts into growth. If you do it in the middle of the winter, it's too early. Because yes. then, the, then the frost can get down and damage the um, the wood itself. Whereas this time of the year is just the perfect time to do it because it's about to start back into growth. Right. Yes. So just um, just cut it to a nice um, square, the square shape or around it, whatever shape you wanted to. About now, and, it'll, and then just keep it trimmed through the year. Okay, that's fine. As long give as it, it and give it a good feed. Oh good yes, feed. feed it and mulch it. Yeah. Because remember, you've given it a bit of a shock. Yes. So it does need a bit of help yes, to get going again, you know? And what kind of feed would that be? Just a general purpose one. So I grow more fish, blood and bone, anything like that. Anything like that'll do. Okay. All right? That's fine. And um, also, there's uh, in the garden, there's a laurel. And um, can I take that down height-wise as well? Um, yeah, this time of year, if it's a cherry laurel, is the commonest one people don't like laurel. They can be taken down very hard. If it's a bay laurel, you can take it back, but don't take it down by more than about a third. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. I keep promising to answer Lynn in Epping, and we were talking John in. Is the reason we use a John in his compost because it is alone based, isn't it? Mm, That's not the only reason. It has. It's inclined to hold. Um, uh, elements more freely, isn't it? Yeah, it holds on to nutrient more Nutrients because the, the, the actual loam has got a very mm. small uh, clay element in there which holds on to nutrient better than you would get with um, the, the uh, soilless compost. Uh, and so, so it's, it's favoured for things like long-term plantings in um, in containers. Now, Lynn in Epping's had a problem because we're saying, buy John in his ericaceous, mm. and of course she can't find it. She's been to loads of loads of uh, gardens and can't find it anywhere. So... <laughs> 
She wants a bit of help. And what she's saying is, can she use Ordinary John in his number three and then change it? Uh, you can't. Not, can not you? that easy because you've got <clears> something <throat> called a base mix in there, which yeah. has got the um, it's got uh, limestone in there as part That's of right. it to balance the uh, the way the nutrients you? are available to the plant. It's got limestone, which is a problem for for ericaceous plants. So really, if she can't get it, she's better off to use an ericaceous um, compost, multi-purpose compost, isn't she? Really, I would. Yeah, I mean, and if see the thing is, if she if she gets an ericaceous compost, and if a soil actually is uh, lime, uh, not particularly um, limey, she could mix a little bit of the soil in with that. Mm. That's one way of around it but it's never quite the, the same. same really no so yeah i'll just use that just use an ericaceous compost <clears throat> and if anybody uh, knows of a center near epping or around that sells ericaceous compost you can let the team know and i will email her and let her know uh, so they are there we like to act, act as a good service to the community here at bbc essex let me now go back to the phones you're listening to the Gardening Hour, which does feature as a podcast on the BBC Essex website. Uh, you can listen to the whole programme, extra tips, what's the, the events around the county, and that will be up a couple of hours after the programme. Just go to the front end and look for it there, and you will be able to click onto it. 0300 200 40 41 is the number to call us here. Now, we can squeeze another call, couple of calls in as well. Let's go to Winston from Chelmsford. Hello, Winston. Oh, hello, uh, Ken. Uh, hello, Mick. Hello. Um, I uh, uh, I tried to buy a uh, Leucanthemum vulgaris yep. uh, recently to plant in my um, long grass uh, yeah. lawn, which I'm going to try and keep cut around about nine inches tall. Yeah. And uh, as I say, I tried to buy Leucanthemum vulgaris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the I could only get Leucanthemum. Yeah. Um, Silver Princess, which I've bought. Yeah, no, if you want to get yeah. Lucanthemum vulgari, just get some seed. Grow it from seed. I pack see. It, a packet of seed will cost you, you two or three might pounds. Might be mail order, mightn't it? Can be, yeah. Sometimes some of the um, some of the, the, the larger seed houses, yeah. actually, if you go into a big garden centre, they'll have native flowers. And it's one of the commonest ones. It's very popular because it persists even if the nutrient levels are quite high, uh, where a lot of wildflowers, native wildflowers, I mean, don't. And they're very easy to grow. And you can just, if you buy yourself a little plug tray of the sort of the medium-sized plugs, so the ones which are around about two to three centimetres across, you can uh, put the seedlings into there, grow them on for a matter of, uh, what, six to eight weeks, and you should then be able to plant those with with a trowel, plant those individual plugs into the lawn. And um, a packet of seed of these will have 100, 150 or more um, uh, uh, seeds in there if you get a decent um, uh, packet. And so you could, with two or three years of doing that, you can have a sea of oxide daisies rather than just buying one. For um, I don't want to do the nursery trade down, but they have to cover their overheads. You know, So I mean, um, that you're going to pay a lot more for buying an individual plant from a nurseryman than you would buy raising your own from a packet of seed. Okay. Oh, I see. That's lovely. Yes, thank you very much. And um, yep. um, now you have to do that then. Um, now, uh, as I've actually bought this Silver Queen, uh, th- this one I bought is called Silver Queen. As I've got it, um, uh, I'll still try and get the do the wild ones like you say. But as yeah. I bought this one already, um, now if uh, if I planted in me in me lawn dig a hole and plant it in there. I'm trying to keep the grass... Yeah, um, it'll grow It'll grow in the lawn, but it's, that particular variety is more of a sort of border it's plant. A, it's it's, it's, it's ornamental. It's been grown on to be much bigger than the, right. uh, the, the parent species, if you like. So I see. Yeah. But if, if Would I, you put it in... I wouldn't put it in there, actually. No, I'd put it into a... a, a near border. the lawn, into a border, yeah. 
Very right. good, very good yeah. for hoverflies uh, and butterflies. But it? don't it put it encourages in... wildlife, does it? Because that's what I'm trying. It does, yeah. Yes, it, it does, will, yeah. but I wouldn't put it in that wild grass area. Oh, oh, I see. Okay, I see. You know, and if if I if I put it in the in the um, in the you know ordinary bit of garden, like not the lawn. Yep. Um, uh, that silver queen will will the, will the seed be viable? Uh, it won't be the same as the parent. It might be. It might be, but it won't be. You'll get um, a lesser version of it somewhere in between that and the the parent species. Oh, I, I but I would, see. But I would buy a packet if you want. If you want to make a longside daisy lawn, buy a packet of seeds so you get the, the species. It's it's a much hardier, better performing plant. All right, Winston. I see. Oh, yes, I know. I know. Um, you shouldn't pick, uh, take seed from the wild wild places. But if I say some. Uh, um, oxide daisies growing by the roadside, which only get cut down. Um, there's, no, there's no harm in taking the seed from them, is there? Well, I couldn't possibly comment, of course. Because we're not allowed <laughs> to on that one. Anyway, that's an interesting question, and thank you very much for your call there, Winston, and best of luck. Look out for that grass seed, and I'm sure you'll get it to the wild grass to get there, won't you? Um, Roxanne. Now, Roxanne, you've got a, a three-culprit problem in your neglected plant part of your garden. Is that right, Roxanne? Yes, that's right. Hello, Ken and Nick. Yep. Hello. That's right. So you've got, you think, vine weevil? I think so. You think you've got bindweed? Bindweed, yes. You've definitely got that. Now, what sort of fungi on this old stump have you got? Um, at the moment, it's just the remainders of them, but uh, in autumn, I saw them growing in an old uh, stump in order. Yeah, if you, right, let's deal with <clears> the fungus first. If you've got fungus growing on an old stump... So, for instance, it's not something which you're actually aiming to grow anymore. It's just a decay fungus. Don't worry about it. It's interesting. Okay. It's just one of those things. You, you've got look, there's lots and lots of fungus growing in your garden. You never see, which is never doing any harm. It's all part of recycling. With okay, the bindweed, you, yeah? you can just leave it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, it's not going to spread to anything. The bindweed is a bit more of a problem because, of course, it's hard to kill. And um, even if you use um, herbicides, it tends to grow in amongst other things. So either you've got the, uh, the field bindweed, which is a little pink one, which grows in amongst other plants. It roots very, very deeply, so you can't dig it out. If you've got the one which grows up amongst other plants, the, the, the bell vine, as they call it, which is either calisthesia or convolvulus, um, they, again, are difficult to kill because... It's in amongst other plants, you know, and you have to literally paint the uh, the, paint the, the, leaf the herbicide, herbicide onto each leaf, yeah, onto a number of the leaves as well to do it. And it's quite a, a sort of in-depth, uh, a sort of involved, in-depth, involved process. Yeah. You take your two to three years. You can get on top of it yeah. as long as it's not spreading through from a neighbouring garden, for instance. As for vine weevil, yes. how do you know it's vine weevil? Have you found so them? I was, I was, yeah, I was digging them and uh, I found those little... Um, like little wormy, uh, you know, baby, creamy colour. And, and... They're literally a little like a comma shape. Vine weevil have got like a, a, a pale brown head and they're a greyish translucent body, which is comma shaped. Is that what you had? Yeah, probably, yeah, but they're very tiny. Yeah, I probably... I How tiny? 40. How tiny? Um, quite tiny, like, a, you know, I don't know, um, an inch. No, centimetre. <laughs> a centimetre, yeah. Centimeter, so probably, yeah, probably, probably, probably about, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and this is in the ground? Yes, in the ground. It's got your work cut out in the ground <laughs> because there is actually nothing on the market to get rid of them in the ground, is there? No, no. I mean, there's drenches, but the drenches are designed for using in containers. 
You, oh, people do mm. use the drench in the ground, but it's not recommended. Yeah, it's never that effective either. <clears throat> and the nematodes, the ground never really gets warm enough for them uh, for the nematodes to but really be effective. nematodes might be her best bet, really, might You could try them, yeah. <clears throat> it, it will, they'll penetrate deeper. If you get a warm summer, the nematodes will actually be more effective than the drenches. All right. You buy the nematodes from a garden centre. Yeah. yeah, try nematodes. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Thanks. Go ahead, guys. Okay, Roxanne, that's Roxanne from Colchester. <clears throat> I've got another one here that um, uh, was about Raz, Ruby Beauty. And no, I'm just trying to think. It says I recommended it, so fatal, isn't it? Recommend something and then you can't remember what you recommended. Um, <clears throat> um, Ruby Beauty, I think, is the bush one that you grow in a container. And it says, what does she do with it? Well, basically, you just cut out some of the stems, let some of the new ones yeah, grow. But you don't have to cut them all out. No, thin it. As you do yeah. with the normal. You just thin it. Mm. Thin it, feed it, and get on with it and enjoy it. Mm. Um, can you give some advice on weeds on the lawn? Look at that for weed on the lawn, then. That, <laughs> that's not bad, is it? Cat thinks that's funny as well. Or is it? It's not licking, is it? Not licking, is it? No. no, it is a weed, isn't it? Yeah, not sure. It looks like it could be buttercup, but <clears throat> yeah, there's distance well, I, here, so... Well, basically, you just use a lawn weed killer, wouldn't you? With that much in <clears> there, <throat> I would suggest that you uh, you actually get rid of the whole of the top of the lawn and, uh, and re-turf again. it again, yeah, because when you You're remove cheerful. that, you have a great big uh, gap, which will just get recolonised with more weeds. Now, if I say it quickly, there are other garden centres who sell... John in his ericaceous compost, but also Perrywood's garden centre do sell it as well. So they are one of the local garden centres yeah. that sell it. Uh, because thank you, Anne from Tiptree, who obviously uses it. And the reason we recommended using John in is, is that it, it holds nutrients much better. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Now, sun's been shining off and on this week, so come on, what's your first tip for the week? Well, these days of sunshine make us think about later on into the year, and of course dahlias are one of the highlights of the late summer. Now's the time to uh, to start those tubers into growth going. If you've got nice big tubers with plenty of shoots on, you can even divide them and increase your stock of dahlias this time of the year. So how do you actually do that? Do you have to have somewhere warm? Could you do it on a windowsill? You if can you do it on got... a windowsill, uh, a glasshouse uh, yep. will do as well, uh, just, just so that it's frost-free. Uh, just put them into uh, individual pots, uh, compost, just up to where the, the eyes, the little uh, buds are showing on the tubers, and just let them grow on from there. Just ease them into watering them, a little water at first, and water more steadily as they start to put growth on. Because we don't plant them out yet at all, do we? No, we don't go out until May. <laughs> well, talking of, um, you know, we talked there about summer and what's coming, but of course we've got winter bedding or spring bedding, whichever way you like to talk about it. Uh, that's all in beds, borders, tubs. It's so easy to not deadhead. And violas and pansies particularly will benefit from being deadheaded. If not, they try and go to seed, don't they? Well, this is it. You'll extend the flowering season right up to the point when you put your next tranche of bedding out around about May, if you're lucky. And I suppose early flowering daffodils is the same sort of thing. If they've flowered, it's worth taking those heads off, isn't it? Absolutely. That won't make them flower again this year, but it will have the benefit of actually strengthening the bulb because it'll put its uh, strength into production of new bulbs and uh, offshoots rather than trying to produce seed. See, so get out there, do a little bit of deadheading. When the sun's out, it's nothing nicer than going out, doing a bit of deadheading. 
Therapeutic, isn't it? Therapeutic indeed, so they are. Make your garden look a little bit better. When you're out there, you'll notice the herbaceous plants are starting to grow as well, and it's an an excellent idea. If you get some nice growth on a particular herbaceous plant which you like, maybe expensive, or you just really want to try something new, try a basal cutting on them. Uh, You know, a sharp knife, just clear away some of the soil. Sometimes you can get a little bit of um, root on the bottom of it, which makes it all easier. If not, just get a nice length, run about um, two to four centimetres long will usually be enough, and uh, maybe dip it in some hormone rooting powder into uh, some uh, seed and cutting compost and into a propagator or a warm uh, sunny windowsill in a plastic bag. They should root quite easily on most specimens. Make sure you get nice soft material though. And then you could plant those out in different areas of the garden, couldn't you? You'll treat them almost like bedding. So you plant them out normally a bit earlier than bedding, but the same process, harden them off, get them out into the garden there, and then they'll be, next year you'll have established clumps where you've put them out. And there we are talking of spring and things soldiering on bursting forth, as you've just said, about the herbaceous plants. And we forget so often to feed our plants. Indeed. And it's a great time to get out there with a general fertiliser. Don't drop your general fertiliser on the crowns of the plants. Just put it around them. And I like to just lightly fork it in or hoe it into the surface. And you can do it around shrubs, herbaceous plants. In fact, pretty well everything in the garden will benefit from a good feed at this time of the year. Absolutely, yeah. But like you said, don't get it all over the plants, but even spring bedding, you can put a little bit around there just to sort of keep them going. But yeah, we'll all appreciate it. And while you're out there this time of the year, of course, um, those herbaceous borders, uh, you'll see that we talked about the crown starting to go and you might be taking some basal cuttings. The other thing is now to get your uh, supports in place now. The... The plants themselves will usually grow to a certain height, and a lot of time we've got very big flowers on them, often blow over if we get some summer winds, particularly if we get a June like last year where it was all windy. So what we need to do is to get supports on them, and the, the trick with this is you don't want to see the supports, you want to see the plants. So don't put the supports in the ground any more than about a third of the height of them, and avoid big stakes and things like that. Get yourself a little framework, maybe uh, three or four stakes around the outside of each crown, stretch some string around that and crisscross it in between them. The plants will grow up through that, and uh, that will actually provide, provide better support than if you just supported them individually. Yeah, I think so often we put supports in too late, don't yes, we? Yes, 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 and, and we damage the crown, and we damage the plants. You, know, you want that plant to look as if it's standing up proud just because it's supposed to. Ken Crowther on BBC Essex. Let's take a look at some of those gardening events taking place across Essex over the next few weeks. And we're going to be starting at Matching Charity Farmers Market at the Village Hall. It's got fresh produce from local farmers and producers, including meats, cakes and eggs. And that's on Saturday the 18th of March, 10am till midday. Have to be honest, I've actually been to that one. It's pretty good. On the same day, between 2 and 4, the Runmore Horticultural Society, uh, that has its, um, its spring show, and that's at the Runmore Village Hall, Church Lane, Wickford. Show includes cut flowers, homegrown fruit and veg, loads more. 18th and 19th, the Health and Wellbeing Weekend is being held at RHS Garden Hyde Hall. Learn about the links between health happiness and horticulture. Normal garden admission applies. On that Sunday, the Garden at Wicket's Langley Upper Green is open as part of the National Garden Scheme. It's a lovely country garden and it's got um, all sorts of things including narcissi and 
perennials all bursting forth. So go along there and have a look. Monday the 20th, 8 till 10 in the evening, the South East Essex Organic Gardens have a talk on the history of Eastern Lodge, the Countess and her gardens. And it takes place at the Growing Together Westcliff, and that's uh, used the Prittlewell Chase entrance. Entry to non-members is £2. On the same day, at 8 o'clock, the Billericay Horticulture Society, Chantry Way, um, has a talk on plants of seasonal interest by Tim Carter of Longhouse Plants. And visitors are always welcome at £2. So there are there's some events that are happening across the county. And if you want it to get onto the BBC Essex Gardening Hour, send all your details to me, Ken Crowther, with at least... Well, two to three weeks' notice, either by email to ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk or you can write to Ken Crowther, BBC Essex, P.O. Box 765, Chelmsford, CM29XB. And we'll spread the word of your event. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. And if you have any gardening questions for us, why not give us a call and be part of the programme? That's every Saturday morning from 11 on BBC Essex. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11.